And today as we look in Philippians 2, we're going to look at the idea of looking beyond yourself, looking beyond yourself. And it's uh, two weeks ago we looked in this passage and re- the passage is about being selfless and um, Christ is the main example at the end of this passage. And um, but we're really what we're going to do, we're going to go ahead and read it. And we're just going to camp out on verse 4 alone after we read the, the, the context here. And we're just going to concentrate on verse 4 for our, the rest of our time after we read our passage. Okay, so look, Philippians chapter 2, verses, uh, let's just read verses 1 through 5. We'll read that. I'll, I'll read it out loud and you just follow along there. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And the Bible says, Paul says to the church here, if there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We'll stop right there. And this passage reminds me of a little scenario that some kids have had. Maybe if you've had this, kids, uh, mom, make some brownies or cookies and... You find out that there's only one left. And uh, besides blaming all your siblings for eating all of them, besides that, you're fighting for the last one, right? With your, the brother competing with the younger brother for the last brownie. Well, I heard about this happening with a couple brothers there. There was one brownie left. They went in there in the kitchen to grab that one brownie. And mom was in the kitchen too. And they're like, they're fighting over mom's like, no, come on, boys. Now, the Christian family here. Come on, boys. Don't fight over. Now, what would Jesus do here? What would Jesus do? And the older brother's like, well, he would let, Jesus would let him have, him have the brownie if I'm going to do what Jesus would do. And uh, she's like, that's right. So then the older brother looks at the younger brother and says, you can be Jesus today. (laughs) (laughs) And takes the brownie, you know. So that's how I handle that one. I told you a little bit about uh, Ernest Shackleton and um, uh, North Pole Explorer. Um, has a, there's a famous story about really their survival that was, a, I think, around a year-long issue they had uh, years ago, about 100 years ago. Ernest Shackleton was a North Pole Explorer. And again, I, not to tell you the whole thing again, but he had over 20-something men with him. They were stuck in the ice with their uh, ship, and they ended up having to abandon the ship. It was crushed, being crushed by the ice, and um, amazing story of survival. But during one of the nights uh, that Shackleton and his men were just trying to survive these times in the Arctic, uh, North Pole area, um, they're in different, you know, I, I don't know, three or four uh, tents that they had set up, and some of the guys had... Um, uh, you know, lamp, uh, pardon me, leather sleeping bags. The other, some guys had wool. 
And uh, the men that had wool were actually some of the leaders, and Shackleton himself, he made sure his younger guys or his uh, uh, guys under him had better um, sleeping bags. And that was part of uh, his ethic with them. He was trying to serve his men the best he could. And he had that attitude of though he was the leader serving them and, and caring for them. And, it, uh, and that attitude actually uh, spread among the younger, the, uh, uh, un, his men under him, between each other. And they saw, they learned from the leader. And Shackleton, a bunch of different side stories here, but he says one night, he records this, that one night, of course, they're rationing their food. They have a certain amount of food that they could eat and drink even, the milk they had. Um, I think they even got to the point where they ended up having to eat their dogs later because they were, it's down to, you know, it's coming down to the wire. But when they were, before that point, they were still rationing, and he said there was one night in his uh, tent maybe eight guys in there, and he said, you know, everybody was going to sleep, and um, he said, um, I, I sensed a certain stirring in the, in the tent, and I looked up, I didn't sit up, but I looked over, and I could see another guy, kind of, he kind of sat up a little bit, and this guy looked, looked to the left, looked to the right, and he had his little food bag or pouch, or whatever it was. Look to the left, look to the right, and he had his own food pouch. And he went over and reached over to grab his, the guy near him reached over to grab his food pouch. And Ernest Shackleton said he would, that Shackleton was watching him kind of covertly, and this guy didn't know Shackleton was watching him. He reached over to grab the other guy's food pouch, and Shackleton started thinking through his mind, oh great, I can't have this type of Thing, theft going on right now. This is we need to be all getting together here. But he says he watched him. He grabbed his pouch, the other guy's pouch where the other guy was sleeping, and he opened the other guy's pouch. He took out his biscuit. It was like a biscuit or something, and it was a partial biscuit. And he and he put it in his. And Shackleton thought, oh, this is not good. But then he opened, but then he continued to open his and took out his own biscuit, which was bigger, and put it in the other guy's, looked around still, tied it up, and put it exactly back in its place. And Shackleton said when he watched that, you know, he went from being very concerned to just incredibly impressed. He said, he said, in, he says, his name is a secret. <laughs> No one's going to know his name. It was too sacred of a moment. You know, that was a moment where a guy is not just caring for his own thing, but he's looking out for the things of others. And that's kind of, that is the concept Paul amplifies here in this passage. Look at verse 4. Look not every man upon his own things, but every man also upon the things of others. And again, this is the concept of selfless Christianity. We really just want to let this soak in. I mean, it, Christ becomes the great example of this, and we will want to get to that passage a little later. But here, this passage, what is, what's happening here? I'm going to highlight a few things, review a few points of the text, okay, of this text about selfless Christianity. I'm going to highlight a few points that we looked at two weeks ago. 
And then we're just going to sit back on verse 4 and look at things that hinder and things that help. That'll be our plan, okay? So notice the verses here. Verse 1, Paul says, look, he says, If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any uh, fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, what he does, Paul says, hey, isn't this what God's like comforting you? He's very affectionate. He's given you His Holy Spirit to fellowship with you. If that's how God is like, then, and he proceeds to teach selfless Christianity. And so the first thing we see when it comes to being a selfless type of a person, which is always a challenge because we're innately bent towards self, the first point is look at God. Everything starts with what God is and what God's doing, and it flows from there. If God is this way, then I need to be this way. If God is so good to me and so good to other people, then I therefore need to be that way. Paul highlights that. Then he taught, he says, he shows in verse 2 that being a selfless Christian involves efforts at local church unity. Efforts at local church unity. Look what he says in the next verse. Again, I'm not trying to stay too long here. I want you to get a feel for it, though. The next verse says, Fulfill you, my joy. What would top this off is that you would be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. What he's saying there is, if, this is, if God's so good to us like this, then why don't we also just buckle down and be, be, be like-minded, have the same interests, be of one accord, of one mind. Now, we're not always going to 100% agree on everything, but he's saying, he's, he's saying if you're going to be a church family and we're going to be loving, try, let's do our best to be minded the same, minded the same. You know, even on this little thing of, of doing church tracks, it was nice for me to see a bunch of people say, hey, I want to help, I want to help, I want to help. I'm like, cool, everybody's minded. Like, yeah, we're getting kind of the same mind here. This is great. You know, or whenever we have an event and somebody says, I want to get involved, I'm like, that's good. We're of the same mind. If we have a, another building uh, program or building uh, banquet thing and people get a massive involvement, hey, I want to give something, that's great. You know, be say, of the same mind. And those are just small examples. This, that doesn't exhaust it. But if, I'm gonna be, if we're going to be really selfless as Christians, it's going to be uh, that it's tested in the need for us to be on the same page together, on the same page together, and of one mind. What else is he seeing? Again, Paul's teaching about selfless Christianity, and that's Christianity. And the next thing we see, it avoids avoid self-promotion. Look at verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Self-promotion. It's the idea of, you know, I trash talk you and elevate myself. You know, I trash talk you and elevate myself. Again, um, I, I was thinking about, again, just as a thought here, I think of kind of the rap, the hip-hop culture. Yeah. There's a lot of different music styles, contemporary music styles in America and everything, and, and we're not going to go through and pick them all apart, but one of the things about the rap and the hip-hop culture, regardless of the sound that you hear and the style of the sound, regardless of that, it is infested with pride. And by the way, a lot of it trashing women. And it's infested with this attitude of, I, I puff up myself and I trash talk you. And it makes people feel that way. And it makes people think that way just by listening to Again, even if you said there's nothing wrong with this beat, okay, fine. What is it doing to a person's attitude? It makes them like this, strife and vainglory. What Paul said, Christians don't do that. 
So that's just that alone is a reason to put away this hip-hop stuff. Put it away. We don't need that. Uh, because I want to I be one that um, do what I do without strife or vain glory. And then it says selfless Christianity. Another component, it esteems other better. <laughs> Look at verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind. That is, uh, you know, I, I don't have a gigantic high view of myself. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. I need to view you as more valuable than me. Esteem means to appraise, appraise others. How do you appraise others? Do you appraise them as, yeah, they're just... The, the local church, again, this is a local church effort in this text, okay? We don't need to try to fix all of Christianity and get all the churches united. That's not the emphasis of this local church epistle. It's local church work here. Be unified here, okay? I can't control all the fragments out there. Be unified here. Be of the same mind here. Um, and then how, what's my attitude for you all here? I want to have an attitude of I'm not more valuable than you. You're vi- more valuable than me. You're, you know, that's what Paul says, esteem other better than themselves. And one author said, if, every, if I esteem you above me and you decide to esteem me above you, then something wonderful is going to happen in our congregation. Everybody's going to be looked up to and nobody's going to be looked down at. And that's the idea that Paul's getting at here is, is being, having a selfless attitude shows itself in these ways. And then this, this fifth description is where we're just going to spend the rest of our time is selfless Christianity looks out for others also. Ernest Shackleton's man that was in that, in that tent, he was looking out for his buddy. This guy didn't have as much of a biscuit as me. Maybe he knew he needed a little more. And, um, and this was a matter of a survival scenario. He didn't even want to be known to be the guy to give him a bigger portion. He did it secretly, gave in secret, with the exception of Shackleton seeing it. He's looking not at his own thing, but he's looking at the things of others. Let me just say this. I said it two weeks ago, but I want to say it again. When it says here, look not, uh, when it says here to, to look not every man on his own things, the idea is don't just look at yourself only. It doesn't mean don't deny your existence. Don't deny that you need to eat food and drink water and get a decent night's rest. Don't deny that. Because if you, if you go to that extreme of just fully, you know, flog yourself, walk around in a potato sack, and, then you're not going to live very long. And what good are you to others at that point? If you neglect your health, you're not going to be very good for other, helping others. If you neglect your, you know, sand, you know, you got to get some rest or you're going to go crazy, you know. You've got to take care of yourself. That's presumed. But the word also means you do that and this other one. Look not every man on his own things. We got things, don't you? You got bills to pay. You got people to deal with. Uh, you got health care issues to take care of and prescriptions to get and doctor's appointments and car to fix and carpet. And uh, so one of you needs to help Brother Adam lay his, his laminate flooring. And you got stuff like that to deal with. All right? But it says also on the things of others. All right? Some people... Um, they just only deal with themselves. and we're fight, That's what we're going to try to do is fight against that today. So two things. First of all, let's expose what hinders us from being this verse. What hinders us from being like verse 4? Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. What hinders me from experiencing that? We're going to talk about that for a few minutes. And then we're gonna, the second part is we're going to expose what helps. 
What helps me do that? What helps me do what Paul said? And that's what we'll do with the rest of our time, all right? So what hinders me from, from doing what Paul says? What hinders me from looking merely, from being so self, what hinders me from uh, stopping being self-absorbed and instead looking at other people's things, all right? Number one, an incessant entertainment. Incessant entertainment fights against me, will hinder me be doing what verse 4 says, I'm not against entertainment. I'm not against good music and a book to read and a ball game to watch and a movie. To, I'm not against that stuff. But you, you know this. We are incessantly entertained. Incessantly entertained. I mean, um, and we want to be incessantly entertained all the time, 24-7. I mean, we can be at the dentist's office and want to hold our phone. Uh, I still got to watch this movie, you know, hold your mouth up. I've seen people that are just, they, they want to do that kind of stuff, you know. And so my point is this, and you know what I'm getting at is this, is that if I'm constantly feeding my mind, constantly in entertainment, what, what, what time do I have for others? What time do I have for... Other people, it's like the one shirt. I think, I, I don't know if, it, I think, did I get this shirt? There was a shirt I think I got. I don't know if I ever wore it. I don't know if I got it or I just saw it and I held it up and threw it away. But um, it was a shirt of like the new dad, the new dad shirt when Johanna was born. It was like uh, the dad is changing the diaper and he's going like this and he's watching the football game like this. And he's changing the diaper on the, the diaper changing table. And uh, while he's changing the diaper, there's a naked baby actually walking along and making a mess, and he's changing the diaper on the dog. <laughs> there's a dog, he's in, but he doesn't know it's a dog, and he doesn't know the baby's naked and making a mess because he's watching football, you know. So anyways, you know, it's, I, being incessantly entertained can be a distraction. It's like one thing I saw in, in Goodwill a few weeks ago. My wife and I, we, go, we have these really romantic dates. We go... <laughs> We go to, we always go to a restaurant and then we go to, oh, where's the Goodwill at, you know? <laughs> and we go to Goodwill. Well, I was in this one Goodwill and, it, and I see different pictures and, and uh, there was one picture. And you've probably seen this and it, a picture that said, we interrupt this marriage to bring to you the football season, you know? You know, and it's because <laughs> that's how some people's marriage happens, you know? Uh, unless your wife is really into that team with you, then, you know, it's probably interrupting some. So what hinders me from caring about and thinking and being aware of the, the issues of others? What hinders me from that? Man, if I am just constantly into shows and movies and, and games and, and I'm constantly focused on that, I'm not even going to know about people around me. So we're called to make, put ourselves on a diet of that stuff. Put ourselves on a diet and we all need it. All right, number two, what hinders hobbies? That's similar to entertainment, but hobbies can hinder us from looking on, on the needs of others also and only looking on my project, my thing, my book, my car, my, my hobby, my golf game, my bowling, whatever it is, my scrapbooking, my hobby, and you're so focused for so long that you forget about others. And I, I told you this, and you've heard me say this, being in uh, the business that my dad and I did, we painted hot rods and old cars, and there was a few men, not a lot, there was a few men, I saw them so focused on their car, their hot rod, their show car, some of them a drag car, 
not all, but a few, I saw them so focused on it, it was to the, to the neglect of the family, and the family's hurt because of it. And that can happen. It can happen to any of us, Christian or non-Christian. Number three, another thing that hinders us from looking on the needs of others and not just our own things, another thing that hinders us is, you're going to think I'm silly, but it's just, I could pick 50 things, but another thing is just having these things in our ears all the time. Earbuds. I have earbuds. I like them. I like the Bluetooth kind. I like the collar one. You can go like this and retracts. I like that. But having something in our ears all the time, you know what that means? I don't hear you. You know, and I don't want to. Um, one time I saw one of the sports guys, the sports, broad, sports news broadcasters over here at, the, at the, um, the post office. I walked in there and I saw him. I, oh, I know that guy. And he, when he walked in, he immediately pulled his phone on his ear like this. And maybe I don't blame him in that case because that means don't bother me. <laughs> and he's standing there. He's leaning against the thing. And, and I just walked in. I saw him. And, but maybe he has an excuse because he gets flooded all the time. But sometimes we, we you know, we have, I have something my, or all the time, and I don't want to have anybody bother me. No, there's moments for that, right? But not all the time. I remember one time walking, and I told you this before, I was walking, it was kind of more of a little, I think it was up at Zanhero Park over here. Yeah, it was, by Lindsay and the freeway. They're putting a, an interchange now, or an off, on an off-ramp now over there, Gilbert, uh, Lindsay and the freeway. And I was walking. It's a really nice park, kind of feels secluded. So I went over there, you know, it's got some quiet. I was praying and stuff and walking. And after a while, I see somebody else walking. Oh, cool, somebody else is walking by. That's cool, you know. Hey, you know, if I'm in a big city, and I'm walking by people constantly. I don't expect anybody to say hi to me. You know, you're paying attention to a hundred other things. But if you're like way out and there's one person that comes by you, you better expect a nod or a hi or something. I'm going to give one, you know. Yeah, I know you're trying to get away from people, and I was too, but we, we got to nod at each other, okay? All right. So I was out there, and I was walking around and everything. This guy comes walking by. I'm like, oh, here he comes. I'm going to give him a nod, you know, just say hi. And so he come up, and he had the earbuds, man. And he saw me, he had the earbuds, he just. And I mean, right by me, within like, a, a, like this. I could have grabbed him and took his earbuds out, but I didn't. And he just, like that, wouldn't say anything. I, I was even ready to do the nod, you know. And I, I did the nod, but he didn't, he did the no. So, and he had the thing in his ear. So, um. You know, I don't know, maybe he's sick or his wife had a bad day or something. I don't know. But you see what I'm saying about things that hinder? Just think about what hinders me from looking at the needs of others, what hinders me from getting out of my self-absorbed status. All these, all these self-absorbed things. So there's another idea. And then a couple, we could do more. Here's the fifth one. We had incessant entertainment, hobbies, earpieces. Oh, no, fourth one. Personal agendas, personal agendas. And again, this, some of these interact. But I, when I, look, you all go to different workplaces and you have your responsibility and your agenda and you have to deal with it. And sometimes you can get so focused on your school, your job, your project, your agenda, so focused that you forget about other people. And that can happen. And... Um, I, this happened this last month, Newsweek. This is online. You can look this up, Newsweek magazine, but it was online. On 10-16-2021 was the report. 
and I think it happened at the beginning of the month. This is, this is how they title this, this article. Bystanders doing nothing while woman raped on train. The police said this speaks to where we are in society. So there was, a, there was in Philadelphia on a train, um, people were on this train, and a woman got raped on the train. It went on for eight minutes. The cameras could see that there was other bystanders there. And um, one of the Philadelphia train workers or whatever ended up, it was already done, but she ended up calling uh, this worker, she ended up calling police and this man had already raped her. And, but they identified him, caught this guy, and he had already, he tried, he assaulted somebody else two months before that. But, um, and the woman, they said, by the way, on side note, is recovering fine um, from what they could tell. But it's, the police were really upset. Why didn't anybody intervene here, you know? There at least needs to be a couple of guys to um, do something. And so, again, what is it? Is it that, it could have been legitimate fear. People are legitimately scared. Okay, we can give that for a few. But there's got to be a couple of people that could team up and do something. Or is it just, that, no, no, I'm just going to go to work and pretend this doesn't, this isn't happening. This is Philadelphia. The, I mean, well, what is this called? Uh, anyways, I'm going to go to work, you know, and, and people, I don't know, I don't know. But, but and I, I've never been in this situation, but I hope that I would have done something. Yelled, scream, get another guy, let's attack this guy, you know. Um, but what was happening Were people thinking, well, i got to get to work. Really? I gotta get my school done. Really? No, this woman's being raped. It's like we're so focused on these agendas, you forget others, even a rape of others. And so Paul's saying, come on, let's let's um, don't just be self-absorbed. Second Timothy, let me ask you this. Adam dealt with this, I think, this last summer on some Wednesday nights about perilous times. You know what makes this is this is what makes America dangerous. What makes America dangerous is not the fact that not everybody's vaccinated, okay? Or that not everybody's unvaccinated. That's not what makes America dangerous. What makes America dangerous is not the fact that we haven't gotten enough funding to repair our roads and bridges, and that would be nice if we did it. What makes America dangerous is not, you know, a lack of money for education or that we don't have enough military, I wish we would be stronger in our military, but that's essentially not what makes us dangerous, perilous place. What makes America perilous is self-centeredness. Paul said it. He said, this know also in the last days, perilous, dangerous times shall come. First thing he says, men shall be lovers of their own selves. And then everything else comes from there covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, all that stuff. It all comes first. We love me. And because I love me, I'm going to kill you for $100 shoes. Because I love me, I'm going to kill the baby in my room because it's interrupting my life. Because I love me, I'm going to force my, you know, it's just, that's what makes things dangerous. That's what, and so we have to be, of all people, Lord, I don't want to be like that. I want to be like you. Self, I want to look away from self to others. So those are the things that hinder. Let's talk about some things that help, okay? Let's look at a few things that help. What helps me? All right, Pastor, you're seeing the negative here. Help me out here on verse 4. Look not every man on his own things. Help me out. Here's some things that help. Number one, I'll quote some scriptures. That will help. Here's some scriptures here. 
that will help. Romans 12, 15. It commands us, rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. I need to connect when I see somebody's enjoy, happy about something, particularly the local church in particular. Rejoice with people that are rejoicing. Weep with them that weep. Romans 14, 19 says, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Try to be creative in what, is, what it would help somebody. What would be a blessing to somebody? Um, this church has been a blessing to our family. Definitely has done this and edified the, your pastor. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 and verse 32 and 33 says, Paul says, Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Paul says, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 says, charity, that is the godlike love, suffers long and is kind. Charity envieth not, as vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. An attitude of charity helps. James 2.8, if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, ye do well, it says. So just having some scriptures that pertain to selflessness in our heart and in our mind helps. Helps. Number two, what, what helps? Here's, here's something. This is something that I'm trying to tell myself and I tell you. If you know that you're like, all right, Pastor, you're with me. I, I sometimes am a little too self-absorbed. I'm sometimes a little too self-absorbed and I'm really too focused. I, get, I need to help. I need to fix my life. I need to fix my issues and all that. But I see what you're saying. I also need to look at the things of others. Well, then here's a second thing that would definitely help. It's really simple. Look, <laughs> look, you see that word right there? Look not on your own things, but the implication is now look on the things of others. You know what the word look is? You could figure this one out. The Greek word is basically says scope, it means to, to study, to behold, to contemplate, to observe, scope. Pastors are called bishop. That's episcopos. That means that episcopos, he's looking over, looking about. That's what certain, that's what pastors are called. Here, it's a narrow verb here, to scopeo, means to look, to observe, to give attention to. Look at people. Look at your, I mean, my wife and I were constantly looking at our kids, and I had a we had a little incident with Charity because I didn't look at her 100% of the time. And uh, she's recovering from a burn this, this last week. But look at your family. Look at your what it's like to be. Guys, look what it's like to be in your wife's shoes. Look what it's like to be uh, a little brother, older brothers. Look at your younger brother. Look at your younger sister. Look not on your own, but also on others. The things of others, he says. Look at your neighbor. I know it's hard. Sometimes it's like the garage door goes up and they go in. You're like, whoa, I just barely saw him. 
I think he got a new haircut. Look, though, at least try. Look at people. I think it was, I remember Brad Wells, when they had, he's now in Washington, D.C., they had a church in New Guinea, and he had a radio station. And he said, he said they did the radio station, and they said it went pretty well. And he goes, after a while, I wanted to get some pictures in my studio, or whatever you'd call it, a radio recording studio or whatever, radio station studio. And he says, I wanted some windows, and I wanted some pictures of people. So he can keep in mind people while he's talking to them, help look and behold them. Look at your church fellow church members, you know, in the sense of observe. Look at the missionaries. Let's try to get to know the names of the missionaries. I need to update our missions or our prayer sheet, which usually has all the names of them. Here's, I, might, I think I need to update this one, but this has a lot of the names of the missionaries. Well, look at them. What's, what's going on with them? Um, think about what's the most important book that you could read? What's the most important book you could read? Yes! All right. Most important book we can read, right? I realize for me, I don't know what the second most important book for you to read is, but for me, the second most important book for me to read is people. For me, I know that's the case. I have to read my Bible and I got to like, read people. I have to. And I cuz I don't enough. I don't read people enough. I'm like, yeah, there's that guy. Doing my thing. And I have to learn to read every people, all, all people, my kids, my wife, the church family. I have to watch and read people because I don't think I do it enough. It's the second most important book for me. I remember um, the, you know, sometimes my, my, my kids would be like, Dad, Dad, look at me. <laughs> sometimes I'd say, hey, look at me, look at me because I want them to read me. And I want to read them. And then there's other times I'm so fixed. I'm like, Dad, Dad, Dad. I'm like, yeah, I'm hearing you. Dad. <laughs> they want me to read them, and they want to read my response back, you know, to look at them. That's just a Bible word that's going to help us not be so selfless. Um, I'm going to pause a second. I want to go back. I've missed a point. You know what hinders us? The last thing, I, I don't think I said this. You know what hinders us and what hinders me from being more selfless is arrogance, an arrogant attitude. Watch this. A lot of times we can have the attitude of, I don't need to look at you. I don't need to know about you. I don't need to hear about you. I don't need, what do I, why do I need to know your name? We have an arrogant, we can get an arrogant attitude, and arrogance hinders us from being a selfless person. I don't need to know how my brothers are doing. Am I my brother's keeper? You know? There was a nurse, I read about a nurse who was in nursing school, and she, um, she was doing good. I think she was only a couple months in. She was focused, I'm doing my nursing school. She's studying, doing well. She had a quiz. And uh, she went into class for a quiz. The whole class had a quiz. And so she's taking the quiz, and she's flying through it. She's doing good. Last question on the quiz, she's like, what is this? Last question on the quiz said this. What is the first name of the woman who cleans the school? 
She's like, whatever. What does he put that down for? Just some kind of joke. She's like, I've seen this cleaning woman several times. She's tall, dark-haired, probably in her 50s, whatever. She turned the, turned the quiz in. And then as she turned the quiz in, of course, the other students, they saw the same thing. And one of them piped up and said, okay, um, does that last question count for the credit on the quiz? We get it right, and did it count against us if we get it wrong? The teacher's like, yeah. It counts against you if you get it wrong. It counts for you if you get it right. And they're like, why? And here's what he said. He said, in your careers, again, nurses, doctors, whatever, in your careers, you will meet many people. All are significant. They deserve your attention and care, even if all you do is look at them, smile, and say hello. He told that to those nurses. They're like, got it. They all found out her name. Her name was Dorothy. And he taught them a lesson, you know, to... to just, just the, a, a connection and look and, and be aware of people around you. And that's sometimes we think, I don't need to know about, I don't need to know about this person near me. Paul's teaching something different there. Let's look at the couple of things. What else helps? A couple more things here as we look through this here. Um, consider other Christians in difficult places. You know what? I told you, I keep saying this every other message, that I get the Voice of the Martyrs magazine and I try to read some in it. I'm not buried in it all the time. But that helps me when I read little articles in Voice of the Martyrs magazine, a magazine that's reporting on how Christians are really living in North Korea, in India, in uh, the Middle East, and some of these African nations. It tells us a little bit how some of them are suffering and dying. Last night I read about a, a woman in one of the, I think it was Nigeria, um, where she had a family, she had a daughter, uh, a two son, or a couple daughters, two sons, she had a niece with her, and I think her sister, and they were Christians, and they knew Boko Haram, which is like a Muslim, kind of Al-Qaeda type people, were coming in their area, and she said, decided ahead of time, I'm not going to deny Jesus Christ. If they ask me, I'm going to tell them, I believe on Jesus Christ as my Savior. She decided way ahead of time that was her decision. So that when it came, and they did come through, the Boko Haram guys started raiding a village, grabbing people. Are you Christian or Muslim? And they would say yes or no. If they were Christian, they'd try to get them to become a Muslim. And she, when they came to her, she said, I'm a Christian. And they got upset, of course, and they took, they took her. Her husband wasn't there. I don't know if he died or what. But her two sons, a daughter, another daughter, a niece, they took them aside to a place and started preaching at them, Christianity is a lie, and the only true religion is Islam, and Allah is a true God, and Muhammad is his prophet. And they go, he's like, no. They took the daughter, the 18-year-old daughter, She'd never seen her again. She's probably a wife of one of these savages. They took the son, slit his throat in front of her with a nephew, too. Said he, they, they, they killed him. They slaughtered him like a, like a ram, is what she said. She still didn't deny. They... One of the nieces had a, had a cell phone. They had confiscated all their cell phones. One of the nieces hid her cell phone well on her, and they never found it. And the niece had dialed 
a friend that was in like the Nigerian army or something and gave a clue like, hey, Boko Haram's coming to our village. Well, three days later, that phone call helped because three days later, the Nigerian military or whatever came in and did a response back to Boko Haram. And there was some conflict. And in the conflict, <clears throat> one of the girls had, um, I don't know what caused it, but lost part of her leg. One of the boys of this lady, actually it was her niece that lost part of her leg. One of her sons, of course her older son was killed. Her older daughter was probably somebody's wife now. Her other son, who's about 11 or 12, had an eye injury and he can't see out of one of his eyes. And um, they ended up t getting control, the army ended up getting control of that village and this family found another safe place. But they're licking their wounds. And they interviewed her, the Voice of the Mars interviewed her and said, you know, tell us. And she told him the story. She says, I forgive him. It's just hard to forget. And I think about my son. I'm still mourning my son. I don't know where my daughter is. And, um, but she's, she's not running from Christ. She's running into him more. And that's good for me to look on that the things of others. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 13, 3, remember them which are in bonds as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. Now, especially for we American Christians, we need to look, whoa, it's so hard being a Christian in America right now. It's, it's just so hard, the, the, the mandates and stuff like that. What about the mandate of Jesus that he gave? They're still following the mandate. And they're not hindered by it. It's not hard compared to this. I'm saying, what I'm saying is when I look, I'm like, okay, not just my own thing. Oh, that helps me. I have compassion on them, and I'm trying to remember them and imagine that I'm also in the body. But that helps me in a sense of, all right, sober up a little bit about my Christian life and about myself. And it helps me just have a more of a right mind. And it helps me to not be as self-ish. It helps. Constant fight, though. Number four, what else helps us? Think about who's lost around you. Two more points and we'll wrap this up. Think about who's lost around you. People, is there somebody not saved around me? Do I, do I think about it? Do I pray about it? Do I do anything about it? Don't look on my own things. Look on the things of others. Number five, there's more I'd like to say. We'll put it in another message. Number five, consider Christ. Jesus intervened for us. He didn't leave us assaulted, so to speak. He didn't leave us in our sin. In our case, we definitely are in sin and guilty. Jesus intervened, and that's what this passage is. Look at the flow of thought here. Look at the flow of thought. Look not, verse 4, every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind, that is, that mentality I just described to you, be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And this is what we'll look at perhaps next Sunday. The whole idea is Jesus, Jesus radically modified his life to address the needs of others. Jesus being in the form of God, that is, he is God the Son, existing in union with God the Father, and he looks on the needs of a sinful man, and he radically modified his life. Being in the form of God, not thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That means he didn't be like, I got to keep, I got to stay this way. 
He was still God, and he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of, of man. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. What it's saying is Jesus <clears throat> uh, radically modified his life so that he could address my needs. He definitely was not just looking on himself. He was looking on us that are saved. He's the great example. Do I inconvenience or modify my life in order to help somebody else? I know we have to do this within reason, but Jesus is the great example of that, to look to. Look not just to yourself. In fact, for salvation, you have to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look to Him and be saved, the, the, the Scripture says. There's a lot of little things that could help our Christian life, and I remember one thing that Years ago, and it's still, God revives it. Just one time I was just kind of in a knot in my Christian life, and I was reading this passage, and it was like God said, if you just get this down, you'll have a lot of what you need. And it was like God really helped me just by burying my heart and mind in this passage. Little Charity's, uh, our daughter, she's really funny. And that when she walks, okay, so I don't have an example here, but maybe I'll try to illustrate it. When she walks and she goes, like, if there's a step that's only, like, that tall, man, she gets ready for it. She goes like this. She's like, she's going to go out the front door. When that door is open, by the way, it's like, escape, you know. <laughs> she's like, let's go somewhere. Bye. See you guys. Bye. You know, she wants to go somewhere. But when, when she goes up to that door, and she gets to the threshold. It's like it's only that far down, and she can walk. Man, she gets ready. She's like, it's like the big step down, you know, and then she stands back up and starts walking. It's really funny. In fact, when we first started teaching her to go down the stairs, so let's say the stairs are right here, and you start going down, she would come out our door of our room, and she'd be like, all right, let's go down the stairs, Charity. She'd start back here and start going and then she would start going, I mean, it was hilarious, you know, but, but the other day I was going through the, the garage from our laundry room to the garage, and she's coming through the threshold, and she goes, you know, like, come on, girl, she, she's running in the house, and she gets to this thing, and man, she's got to get ready for this deal, she gets down, and comes down like this, and down like that, and then finally stands up, and we're like, my goodness, oh, it's such a big step for her, but it's such a little step, you know. And that's a thought, is like, this little thing right here that I said even, or that Paul said, just looking, it's just a little thing, isn't it? But it's a big thing. It's a little step, but it's really, a, it'd be a big step for some of us of just quit looking at yourself only. But look on the needs of others, that's what Jesus did. And let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the word. Thank you for um, the Word of God. What else do we have to learn from? Just pulling around in our own ignorance and sharing our thoughts isn't enough. Well, thank you for uh, your timeless word and wisdom. Thank you for the instruction through your servant, the Apostle Paul, in particular for our churches and for Christians. Thank you for you, Lord Jesus, the great, our great Savior. And I pray, I ask you to let the word soak in today.
and to me and to my friends here, church members, and those watching. And let us be like you. Let us um, look on the things of others in a reasonable way, in a way that's like you. And uh, I ask this in Christ's name. Amen.